Division A community. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Stay Curious, a podcast where we want to create diversity in thought without creating division and community. I am Matt Fisher. I'm your co-host and the care pastor here at Hill City, where we record this and every episode of the podcast. And I'm here with my co-host, Mr. John Wagler, lead pastor of Hill City. John, how you doing, bud? Better now that the ice is melting. It's melting. (laughs) I've been trying to think about, like, you know, we've been trying to figure out what is our, like, opener question to one another. And I was thinking it would be funny if I just started, like, blindsiding you with, like, contemplative... (laughs) Like, hey, John, how are you? How? What did the ice teach you? <laughs> what did you learn from the trees this week? <laughs> how have you pondered the self-actuating love that transcends sequential existence this week, John? You know, my biggest point of contention with the cold is <laughs> that, you know, you got to bundle up. You got to, like, everyone's just kind of on edge a little bit. You get that at first initial rush of, mm-hmm. like, this is fun, like, and all everything else. But then in the end, it's like, you know when everyone's really happy? When it's 72 out and sunny. (laughs) It's warm. (laughs) Ever been to San Diego? (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, I'm pretty ready for it to melt. Uh, I do think it's beautiful. I've taken the time to observe it this year. but It is. Like, it's cool. Like, when you're driving through and ice, it looks like glass trees everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's cool. Yeah. When I, I was all... I was all mystical about it until I needed to scrape the ice off the windshield of my car. <laughs> and while I was doing that, just the slightest breeze blew through and it sounded like every tree in the neighborhood was going right, to, it was like yeah. a crack, <laughs> almost like thunder. I was like, okay, I think I'm ready for this to be over. <laughs> oh man. Cool. Well, um, today we are going to start what'll probably end up being a series kind of coinciding with our current sermon series at Hill City yeah. on relationships. Um, and we are just going to talk um, to folks about what it's like to date in the year of our Lord 2021, especially <laughs> yeah. as a Christian. Um, we're going to talk about marriage. We're going to talk about um, relationships. Um, we sort of joked uh, that we spent so much time a couple seasons ago talking about other people's relationships that we didn't talk about our relationships. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to talk a little bit about that. And today we're going to kick that off by having our friends Natalie and Deandra um, on the show. They're, yeah, that'd be fun. So yeah, we're going to talk to them in a little bit, but before we get into that, let's, let's, uh, do our new segment for 2021 from the feed. All right. Well, there's a lot of things going on in the feed, mm-hmm. but especially for us as church folk, um, I think the thing that we kind of wanted to touch on that we've both been seeing, and we have like very different Twitter feeds, so when we both see a thing, <laughs> sure, <laughs> it means it's a thing That's we should probably thing, talk yeah. about. <laughs> um, so we wanted to talk about um, Ravi Zacharias, who yeah. passed how long ago now? I don't even know. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a little bit. Yeah, um, it's like such a bummer because you know what I really want to talk about? What the Britney Spears documentary, dude. Dude, really? Did you guys watch it? We did. Maybe we should just talk about that instead. <laughs> I had big <laughs> theological thoughts watching. <laughs> it was just so good. I, well, uh, anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about Ryder. Yeah, we'll get. We'll get. Look, the Britney documentary is not going anywhere. That's right. Um, so yeah, John, why don't you, from your point of view, summarize what you're seeing going on with this Ravi Zacharias thing right now? Yeah, you know, for those of you guys that don't know who Ravi Zacharias is, he was one of the more prominent apologetic teachers and speakers that essentially defended the Christian faith. He wrote several books. He would travel around the world. He had a massive following and um, was a good kind of thought leader in Christianity. And in the end, we find out that he uh, 
you know, not only had was owner of several, you know, massage um, studios. What's the parlor? Parlors? parlors, massage parlors. Which right off the bat, just it's, it feels weird. that's rough. That's rough. <laughs> but um, but yeah, but then come to find out, you know, there's so many women. I mean, I feel like the number keeps growing, but um, where you know, there's sexual things, there was harassment, there was manipulation. Um, he just had this whole other life. Um, to who he was. And so, you know, with that comes a lot of scrutiny. And then it's just like another thing for Christianity, another thing for, you know, people who have just been hammering on Christianity for a long time to be like, see, see, you know, it's another thing for people have walked away from the church and be like, see, here's another person you guys have lifted up to this status and look Mm -hmm. what happens. He hurt a bunch of people and, um, and they're not wrong with that. And so I think what we're seeing, my perspective, I think what we're seeing is um, kind of if we're looking at holistically, it is how s- idiotic the Christian celebrity culture is. Mm-hmm. Like I can't I, I have so many emotions and thoughts on that part of it. Um, and, you know, because we've had several things in the past couple of years. And I've, I, so I was talking to a friend the other day and I said, you know, whenever I see certain pastors' Instagrams, mm. I like I always get this feeling. And and there's some people that I know that have had moral failures that um it, they aren't big deals. Like they're in the scheme of things, kind of a big deal. Mm-hmm. You know, like it, it, it's like less than I think last I heard like less than like two percent or one percent of churches are above a thousand people. Mm-hmm. You know, and so in the scheme of church world. You know, like even our church is bigger than that. But like they're these guys were pastors of churches. Now, no one didn't become national news. But like looking at their Instagram, Lacey and I were like, something's going to go down. Mm, Interesting. And you can in and it's they're using it all the time. Their stories are all the time. Mm. And they're it's all about them. They're only repost like things that they say that all this. There's just like certain things that you begin to see in people. So I think the Christian celebrity piece is just atrocious, I think. Um, and we all play into it, though, too. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not just their fault. It's mm-hmm. the propping up that congregations do as well. Right. Um, I think the lack of accountability um, is a big deal, you know, in all these things. Mm-hmm. And then, um, honestly, it's the other piece that I – the character piece, like the – People are getting elevated to positions too often mm. where the character element is not taken seriously enough, mm-hmm. you know, and um, there's other things, too. But I think those are the main things. Yeah, I think it's just weird, like to sum it all up. Why? Like when you set someone up as a king, don't act surprised when they act like a king. I know. I know. <laughs> you know, like a, <laughs> if you think about the history of human kings, you're not you don't see a, a ton of great dudes <laughs> yeah so it's like uh and i think that's especially true for whatever reason for men this is another thing i feel like the catholics did get right they were like you can't become a saint until you've been dead <laughs> and we've been able to check out everything you ever did <laughs> then we'll then we'll yeah. canonize you um, it's crazy i mean it's truly crazy i mean it is and i, I don't know what's going to take for us to like learn the lesson of that too you know and so I've had like a privilege to be around some of these guys that have been, mm-hmm. you know, have gotten bigger for certain things. And it is crazy that you can tell the difference yeah. like between the humble people who use their voice for the right reasons. And like, they don't like the celebrity culture right. kind of stuff, but they do 
they do have a huge voice yeah. and like there's something beautiful about that too like we don't want to diminish that you know but there's a humility there and character there that they can you know weather this storm so to speak but yeah i mean i think ultimately we're going to have to come to grips with this idea that the very simple gospel truth that jesus cares just as much about how you do a thing as what you do mm-hmm. like the ends never justify the means for jesus we've talked about this before yeah, yeah. politics with yep. business with economy and it's true here with the gospel too like i think what people slip into is oh you know i know it's weird for me to like do this tv show or i know it's weird for me to have this jet or like oh no no i know i know it's like not but if it's going to advance the gospel yeah it's like you know what no process matters i know it does you're you're so right and so we just don't think about that stuff enough and we don't hold people accountable enough with that and and i would also just i don't know what side people will fall on when they hear about the ravi zacharias or what they're you know I think it's also important that people recognize how much pain he did. Like Mm. I, I understand that his impact for people coming to a faith Mm. in Jesus, there was a lot of people that did because of his writings and his speaking, but don't diminish Like, don't be like, well, he was a flawed man and people do flawed things. Like, don't do that. Like he caused a lot of pain Yeah, and he was an awful man in the end. So, Let's just say that. Yeah. Because you know? if you do try to like defend him, Beth Moore is coming for you. <laughs> Beth Moore will come for <laughs> you. Good Lord, that woman. Yeah. I love her so much. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would also say, too, I know we, we got to get to the other section, but yeah. I would also just say, like, if you're c- aggressively attacking Christianity on the other side, as like, also like pause a little bit, too, because you know what? These guys are master manipulators for a reason. Mm-hmm. And pe- some people didn't know. Yeah. And they were truly innocent in this. Yeah. And like, just, be careful on that. Yeah, and I think it's also okay. Like, you know, we went through this in the music world. I mean, we're constantly going through this in music world, but I think it finally sort of permeated down to, like, the more underground indie rock uh, world maybe 10 or 15 years ago, but definitely as part of the Me Too thing. And it's tough because it's like, okay, well, this person's record legitimately helped me through a hard time. Like, Mm -hmm. maybe for some people even, I was in a dark place. I felt like I couldn't do it anymore, and this person's record or song help me through that. But now I'm finding out that this person is awful. Well, again, non-binary thinking, right? Like yeah. you can hold two things. You can say a great example is there was a song that meant a lot to me, still means a lot to me, but I have a hard time listening to it now because of some of the stuff that came out about the guy who wrote it. I used to cover it when I would play. And after I found out, I was like, maybe I could even just say something before I play the song and just say like, Hey, this guy, you know, really let us all down and, and like he should not be, um, you know, it shouldn't be glossed over, but like, I like this song, so I'm going to play it. I talked to my wife about it and she was like, is it that important? Is it that important? And I was like, it's not. So I just stopped playing it. And now it's kind of, I've gotten to the place where I can't even really listen to it anymore. So it's okay to just kind of like, you don't have to come by, I guess what I'm trying to say is come by that naturally. You don't have to take all your Ravi Zacharias books and burn them. But it probably would show emotional health and maturity on your part if you did get to the point where you were like, I just don't know if I can read this anymore. Yeah. Um, like it's, it was important to me. Here's what it did for me. And just kind of like like a paper lantern, just light it and let it float. Yeah. <laughs> like let it go. Um, and if there is something good in there that was helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Take that part. And it's like, yeah, and you can you can take that part and detach it from yes. the. It's like the the they call it the the dead author theory. Like it it means what it means to you 
detached from the person who Correct. wrote it. Um, so yeah, that's all we have to say about that. Heavier into the feed. And now we're going to get into what is no doubt a fun and meaningful conversation with uh, our friends, Deandra and Natalie. Y'all know we stay curious over here. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. We are here with our guests, guests of honor. Mm. <laughs> like Honored that. to be here with our guests of honor. I like the way that sounds. <laughs> Real live singles. Um, in the wild. In the wild. Uh, Natalie and Deandra. Hello, friends. How are you guys doing? It's very frazzled here in the office this morning. It is. Yeah. We were Not told for that me. Feeling <laughs> wonderful. Deandra's <laughs> cool as a cucumber, no matter what. Unflappable. Truly unflappable. <laughs> you guys were scrambling, and I was lounging. <laughs> it's all right. You oh, have other guys. things going on. Mm-hmm. Sorry, guys. Um, I just always imagine you as the person in the movie who like slowly walks away and puts her sunglasses on while the car explodes behind them. <laughs> Like, yeah, that's right. Um, that's real. Oh so speaking of real, good segue, Natalie. We're going to talk to you guys about the realities of dating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Dating, not dating. <laughs> <laughs> Simply just not being married in the state of that. Yes. Um, and sort of what it's like for you all um, in your different sort of stages of life. Natalie, you're in your late 20s. Deandra, you just turned 40 very recently. Yep. Welcome Woo-hoo. to the club. Thanks really enjoying it so far oh only two months in nothing's changed but still enjoying it <laughs> i don't think i'll even care about age until like 60 yeah i think this well when, really? when my body starts failing i'll start to care yeah. i feel like oh. at 60 they're kind of like i'm in the fourth quarter yeah what's been your favorite decade so far 30s for 30s sure. for sure mm. interesting something yeah. to look forward to yes <laughs> interesting um so yeah, you you all um, have been single for various lengths of time, have had different relationships and, and all that. So um, before we kind of get into asking you guys questions, let's assume, which is hard sometimes because John and I know you both <laughs> and you guys know each other, but let's assume that people listening don't know you. Mm-hmm. Um, Deandra, give us a, a quick sort of rundown on who Deandra is. Sure. Um, Deandra is very similar to Beyonce. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, I am 40 years old, obviously. I am a choreographer here in the city, and I am probably office admin, might be my title here at, on staff. Um, but yeah, I do a lot of things here on staff. The glue that holds things together. <laughs> yes. Natalie. Yes, yes, yes. Who are you? Um, who am I? Um, who am I not? Um, me and my 13 personalities. Yeah, um, I am 27. I am... Uh, the creative director here at Hill City, and um, singer-songwriter, big nap, big nap guy, you know, um, <laughs> professional napper, professional napper, and that's me. Competitive <laughs> napping would be a thing that no one would watch, but mm. um, cool. Well, so give us a little quick history about sort of y'all's experiences in dating. Um, so we'll start with Natalie. Um, since we started with DeAndre last time. Natalie, Mm -hmm. what has up till now your dating life been like in summary? In summary, um, I have, I've gone out on a lot of dates. I um, have had varied levels of interest um, in different guys. I've, but my own, I've only had one serious relationship. Um, And I say serious, I mean, it was like five months long. Um, So it's, it was very short, but it was like my first kind of serious relationship so it felt everything felt very big and very important and everything um and then that was a couple years ago and so since then I've gone on a few dates but nothing nothing really has stuck 
perpetually single because I like it. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's good. Um, mm-hmm. Deandra, how about a little bit about you? I'm a little more social, so I've gone on several dates, possibly even dozens of dates. Um, but I also have had several long-term relationships, like all of my relationships, my smallest one was two years my longest one was seven years so when I'm in a relationship I'm in it for at least one to two years but in between then several dates mostly bad but several dates and married men love me yikes (laughs) that is that is a real thing it is yeah man that's something unfortunate that we learned recently yes was that Deandra's petition by married men married men regularly yes at least once a week (laughs) <laughs> All right. John, kick us off with some questions, because literally you haven't talked. <laughs> just taking it all Hello? in. Just taking it all in. John's asleep. <laughs> I know. He's alluring me. Um, you know, it's, what is for you guys, like, one of the tougher things when you're, when you're processing this whole dating thing within, obviously, the church world and, and everything else, but, like, what's some of the, like, more difficult elements of that? Would you like to go first? Um, sure. Um, for me, the most difficult thing that I come across is people that want to debate Christianity. And I understand that there's some distrust with Christianity in whatever their church experiences have been growing up. But just because I work for a church does not mean I am the ultimate defender of the church. And I'm open to you having your own opinions and experiences, but the biggest struggle that I get is that people automatically want to debate me about Christianity and the church experience. And I'm just like, I, do you like tacos? You want to talk about that first before we get into this? And that's, that's always been the biggest challenge is the debate part about it. I think I really struggle knowing like, cause I, I think I'm really good at being alone. I'm really good at being single and I really enjoy it and I'm pretty content in it. Um, so but I know that eventually I want a partner and I want to get married and I want, you know, maybe kids. I don't know. I haven't decided yet. Um, but I want those things eventually. And so I struggle with being like, I mean, should I like be trying right now, knowing that that's something that I want eventually? Or is it OK if I'm just like great being in this space, not really thinking about it? And also, where is the line of like, I'm too comfortable being alone, you know? I don't know. That's like something I've been trying to think through recently. Hmm. What does too comfortable being alone look like for you? I mean, COVID aside, like staying in your house all the time or like not really being open to things like because I really like control and I like my schedule. I like my freedom. I like possibility. And so I think to me, thinking of bringing somebody into my life via a romantic relationship right now feels like intrusive Mm. like it'd be like oh now I have to figure out how to fit you into all these things and like I already have my own thing going so now we have to like you know whatever Mm. or like objectively I know that if it was like a great person I'd want that and maybe it wouldn't be so hard but I don't know I really struggle with that so Mm. and that is one you know after years of doing marriage counseling as people like if you get married a little bit later on that's one of the bigger things people struggle with because you get you you like what you like and you spend a lot of time doing it that way. And then when you get into a, you know, a longer term relationship or something that might move towards more serious, you're like, 
Well, hold on a second. Yeah. DeAndra's nodding aggressively. 100%. Yeah. I want to live in a bridge home. Don't know if you guys know what that is, but it's two homes connected oh, by yeah. a bridge. <laughs> yes. I want to have separate houses when I meet someone. I don't want to share my space. Oh, my god. I've lived by myself since I was 17. I'm not. That's a real thing. I don't know yeah. how to share that with anyone yeah. else. Yeah. Yep. So yeah. I get that. Yeah. I mean, I think I think a misconception a lot of the time is that marriage is like a cure for loneliness, which mm-hmm. is true in some aspects. But it doesn't make it, it's also like a big sacrifice. Like now half of everything is this other person's. That's like why, I don't know how it is in marriage counseling, but in the little bit of like couples counseling that I do, when people like haven't joined their bank accounts, I'm like, "Mm, yeah, how's that going? (laughs) Yeah. 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 It's like, I'm sure there's a couple out there that has done okay with that, but I've never known one to. I will say my best friend, one of my best friends growing up, his parents had separate rooms and this is apparently a thing. His parents like slept in separate rooms and we were always like, oh yeah, sorry about your parents. And he's like, no, seriously, they're fine. And we're like, "Uh uh-huh, you're in denial about your parents getting like late in life divorced. They are still married. Wow. And still sleep in separate rooms and separate beds. There is hope for Deandra's bridge home dream. Oh, no, no, no. We'll share the bedroom and the kitchen and then everything else. Oh, okay. Kitchen is with. There's got to so be other things behind. Complicated your tapestry. <laughs> Family story. I don't know, man. They're pretty great. Um, oh One other, just to add on to that, another element of that is the independence that you have once you pet. Like by the by, by now, I'm 40. I'm super independent in personality wise, but just in life also, I've done everything on my own. So having to meet a man in particular who wants to be that provider and protector and do all the things. I built a whole patio by myself. So I Mm -hmm. feel like I can do a lot of things, but having someone come in to be like, no, let me do that is difficult to transition into. Mm -hmm. Also, just because I've established a whole life figuring it out on my own. Mm -hmm. But relinquishing that to a partner of someone who wants to help you do those things is difficult Mm -hmm. for me. Yeah. Maybe not everybody. Yeah. Feel that. Makes sense. Um, so as far as like, you've both sort of touched on this a little bit, like big questions, like, do I even want to have kids one day? Like, do I want to get married? Do I want to live in the same house as this person or whatever? What of all those questions, is there one like big question that you feel like you struggle with on, in regards to how am I going to date? Who am I going to date? And what's the end mm-hmm. sort of for me? It's kids, okay. um, because I'm 40, but also because the most of the men that I'm dating at this age probably already have kids mm. and because of my medical history there's a possibility that I cannot have kids but I want kids so like meeting men at this age let's say they have two kids and they're like I'm good I don't want any more but the doctor may come to me and be like amazing you're pregnant and they be like oh that's amazing mm. I finally can have a miracle baby but he's like no I don't want kids so I'm worried about that dynamic and how that conversation may go but it might also work out fine or it could be on the flip side he wants more kids and i don't i might not be able to provide that for him Mm. so that's my biggest yeah wow yeah Um, sorry i didn't mean to bring the mood down (laughs) so good it's good because like that's not something that i expected you to say like that was a really good answer um i think something that i'm trying to answer right now is what is the so like we've talked about this before of like Dating didn't used to exist. Like there was like arranged marriages, and then like yeah, dating's only like a 50 sheep for years your old. goat, yeah. like you know, kind of thing. Um, and then you know, it was then it kind of moved into like who lives on my street, and now it's yeah. kind of like ev- you have access. I mean, some of the dating apps you can put like international, so you can literally look at people in other countries mm-hmm. 
So your endless options are just ridiculous. And Mm -hmm. so I'm trying to figure out, I don't think that I have unrealistic expectations at all. Like I, I really don't think I do, but at the same time, I'm trying to like figure out what narratives are in my head that are maybe unrealistic and also finding the balance between, I do have because of technology and because of where we are now, I do have more options. I don't have to marry Bobby who lives on my street, mm-hmm. um, who I grew up with in kindergarten kind of thing. Um, but at the same time, I, I like I said, I am someone who who is like, what's out there? Like the possibility. So like, I don't want to ever get in the place where I am not accepting a really great person because I'm like, what else is out there kind of right. thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to just figure out how to expel those narratives from my head while also maintaining like, no, 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 this is an expectation I have, but it's okay. Like this is a standard I have and that's not unrealistic. It's just what I want. Mm-hmm. So yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. Are there narratives or, or things that you guys just in your experience with church or around Christians or whatever that have been challenging to you in this season or, um, you wish would not have been presented growing up or anything like that? No. No? Not that I can think of off the top of my head, but Natalie, please go while I think. (laughs) (laughs) I think like, well, I think there are a lot of things, um, but for instance, like we never learned how to casual date growing up in the church. And so like when I got in my first relationship, I was like, and also because I'd never date anybody else. So I was like, I picked you. This must mean, you know, everything mm-hmm. means something like everything. And um, so <clears throat> I think that's hard to to take everything, like not take everything as like this must mean something. Um, and also I think stuff in my head of like I was just talking to um, my sister about this, like. Because people are like, you should be able to talk for hours and hours and hours and never run out of things to talk about, never get bored. And she was like, she was like, Christian and I are never going to sit there and talk for hours and hours because like that's not who he is. But like I have friends that I talk to for hours and hours and hours. Um, But like that's not a real thing. Like sometimes you just enjoy each other's presence and like you don't talk about things or um yeah, like I'm, I'm trying to go through like the whole like marry your best friend kind of thing because I'm like, I mean, my best friend is I've had the same best friend for like 20 years and she's married already and I can't marry her. <laughs> and like, <laughs> like, so I don't know what I don't know. I think like and so then if I meet a guy who's great, but I wouldn't call my best friend, I'm like, what's I don't know. I just feel like yeah. there's all these like stuff that I've internalized but didn't realize that I internalized and so I'm trying to wade through like what is good and what is maybe not so helpful Mm -hmm. um I don't know it almost feels like some of it is like romanticized western individualism like you are enough on your own but like okay you can let this one other person in but now the two of you are everything you know like they are supposed to be your best friend and your lover and your this and that and like I don't know that that's necessarily true you Mm -hmm. know yeah, and I don't know, and I, like, I don't know, maybe you agree, Deandra, but, like, looking at, I, I'm surrounded by people who are married, and really being let into those marriages, like, on, in an honest way of, like, just kind of being close in community with them, and seeing behind the scenes, and everything like that, I realize there's so many different kinds of marriages, like, yeah. there's so many different kinds of couples, like, there's right. no one right or wrong, right. you know, 
way to do it. And so I think that's been really helpful for me. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you'd agree, but. Oh, no, I totally agree. And which leads me to the thing that I struggle with the most is that I don't know that I want to get married. Mm. I definitely want a partner. don't want to be single my whole life, but I definitely want someone maybe a lifelong partner. I don't know that I want to get married for the same reason that there are so many different types of marriages and there. I keep continuously hearing the phrase marriage is hard work. And that's like within the first three sentences that most people talk about when they are talking about marriage, not saying that if I'm in a long-term relationship, it won't be work. Also, my biggest fear with marriage is being in an unhappy relationship. Mm. My parents are still married 49 years and for my entire life growing up and even still some through college, which is now like 22, 23, I've, they were the unhappiest that I've ever seen them. They were amicable, but they didn't talk to each other. They were, they were not affectionate. They just weren't together. They were just two people co-parenting in the same building. And I don't want that. And I see a lot of other marriages, not a lot, but I see other marriages that are also struggling and not to mention these married men that are always mm-hmm. coming at me. Mm-hmm. So I don't know that I'm very fearful of being in an unhappy situation. So I struggle with that a lot of do I want to get married? Because obviously I do, but I don't know that I'm just scared of it. I don't I don't want to be unhappy. Yeah. I want I, an easy out. I would really like to talk about the whole marriage is hard trope because yes. we like that's something that's said over and over. And even like this girl that I follow on Twitter who is like I mean, she wrote a book about being single. She's single in her 30s. She was engaged. She called it off. Whatever. She put out a tweet that was like, people, like, check on your single friends. Like, it's been really hard this past year. And immediately she had all these responses being like, well, marriage is hard, too. And it's like, yeah, we get it. But can we also acknowledge, like, there are benefits to that? Like, I know that it's not the end all be all. But also dating is terrible. And, like, being alone is really hard. And so... And, like, if I want to buy a house, I'm probably not going to be able to do it with just, like, my income. Like, there's just, like, some benefits to that. But I feel like the whole, like, marriage is hard. Like, I get it. I do. But it's, Mm -hmm. like, you're not really making me want to buy into this. I don't know. I don't know that marriage is hard. I think hard marriages are hard. (laughs) But, like, but it is work. Um, And I think that's the thing that, you know, we're constantly trying to counterbalance this like rom-com it used to be fairy tales right like it used to be before the rom-com it was just like cinderella or whatever um and a lot of women found themselves in marriages to who they thought was prince charming that five Mm -hmm. years in turned out he wasn't so charming now it's like the rom-com thing like you're gonna yeah like drop something at the library and somebody's gonna pick it up for you and somehow the love story is gonna unfold. (laughs) so i think like there's pressure on married people to counteract that by saying like, Hey, it's not all like butterflies and rainbows, but I wouldn't say that a good marriage is hard, but every marriage is work. It's not a resting state. I think it's not a, it's not an arrival. It's a, it's the first step on a journey, I think would be more the thing. Whereas we think like, well, once I'm locked in, everything's good. You know, the dating is the hard part. Um, I think the thing that we that married people constantly want to communicate to people who are not yet married and want to be is not so much it's hard. And sometimes it may come off that way, but more like what you're doing is like dating is the 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 trip to the edge of the forest. And then there's a journey like like that. Really, all you're doing is starting your journey. Yeah, that makes sense. I don't know, John, you might have. Yeah, I mean, like, I think marriage is work but just like everything else is work like you can't you can't be good at anything if you don't work at it 
like I don't care how talented you are. I don't care how natural someone like when you first start dating someone or like it takes work. Like some of the loneliest people I know are married. Mm-hmm. And so I think that there are there are um, I think a false narrative about marriage and the church has done a horrible job about dating, but it's also done a horrible job about marriage and it's done a horrible job about sex and it's done a horrible job about helping people cultivate healthy relationships. And so as a whole, like there are very few people that grow up in church environments that talk about things in a healthy way. And so I think some of the things you guys are describing, like there are some things that are way easier about being single than being married. There are. And, and there are some things that are easier about being married than being single. And so, and I think if you were to do a pros and cons list, I'm not so sure. This is my, my point is like the Bible talks about marriage and singleness in the same way. Like they're not elevated above one another. And so I think what we do though, as people, is we elevate one above the other. And then what, when that happens and we get like false narratives about them. And so you're right, Nath, that there are different kinds of marriages and different, you know, there are core competencies to all, all healthy marriages have core elements to them that are the same. You know, but like, I also know single folks that are thriving and, you know, and like, and I know I counsel them. I know married couples that are not, you know, and so I think that there's a a little bit of a push and pull with all of that stuff. But is marriage hard work? I mean, sure, in some ways, but it's like enjoyable if you want it to be. It's enjoyable. And that's part of like the fruitfulness of marriage is being with someone that's enjoyable to learn and grow together. I remember Tim Keller said years ago, who's a pastor up in New York City, he said, you know, over the course of a marriage, you're going to marry 10 different people. Right. And that's a, that is a truth. And that is a, like, that's a big truth. And that, that is harder work, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so that, you know, John, you turning 40, like you've been able to kind of grow, just kind of at your own rate, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so, but have you been married for 20 years? It it, right. it shifts like that growth pattern and how that works. Now there's beauty right. and pain in that stuff, you yeah. know? And so there's, so I think that's a reality. So is it hard work? I I get exhausted by the people that are like, your first year of marriage is the hardest thing you'll ever do. Or like, marriage is so hard. Like I I can't stand that. But, um, but it is... Again, I'm just in the camp that both things can be healthy, both things can be fruitful, and there's beauty about being single and beauty about being married. Mm-hmm. I mean, digging a hole is hard work, but if you're on a mission trip, digging a hole to <laughs> for like, a well, yeah, for a well for an <laughs> orphanage, versus like you're on the like chain gang because you're in jail and you're digging a hole, like it's the same hole, but you feel a lot different about the hard work. Um, I mean, to me, so yeah. I, what a strange analogy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Welcome to our podcast. <laughs> if you've been here for 60 some odd episodes and you two have known me long enough, this is what it is. Um, what is one thing, this will probably be our last question. What is um, one thing or one, like when you're thinking about this is the kind of guy I want to date or like deal breakers or whatever, what is um, one like preference or one maybe thing that you thought was a deal breaker that has been challenged for you all in the last, I don't know, everything's been challenged in the last year, five years, last five years. Like what's something, I guess, what's something that remains a deal breaker? One thing that remains a deal breaker. And then what's something that now you realize you're willing to sacrifice? Hmm. I can go. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I always thought was I really want to be with a guy who's really outgoing, really life of the party, 
really big personality. <clears throat> and um, I found that that is not a great match for me. Um, just through all the guys that I've met. And I'm not saying it's impossible and, you know, the right guy, maybe who knows. Um, but that's just something that I always thought I wanted. And then I was like, Oh, maybe that's not, maybe that doesn't work with me. Like maybe we'd hate each other. Um, and then something that I think has been affirmed over and over is, um, I know I've said this before, like humor, like if I, if we can't laugh together in like, if like, if we're on our first couple dates, I know this might sound ridiculous. If we're not spending like 85% of the time laughing, it's probably not mm. like, cause that's just how I feel comfortable with people. And that's how I'm going to like, feel like I can open up more and more. Um, and that remains true. Like I've met great guys that are steady and, you know, have great qualities and be great contenders, but we just don't laugh together. And I'm like, I just don't feel fully like myself. Mm -hmm. Like, and that's just not going to change no matter how nice you are or how generous, you know, kind of thing. So I think that has remained for me. I will affirm, sometimes I've challenged you on that as your friend. Like, you know, not everyone's a comedian. Give the guy a chance. But the more you say that and the more I think about it and I reflect on my own marriage, um, being on the same page about, like, kids and, and, finances and faith and stuff are definitely like top top tier but humor is like a real lifeboat like when things are bad the fact that jenny and i can look at not just that we can laugh together but that like her and i can look at something on the internet or watch a movie that if we were in a room of 20 people not everyone would die laughing but the two of us Mm -hmm. can exactly or like you, you guys have like you commented and i've heard other people comment about like the immense amount of inside jokes that Jenny and I have. Yes. Um, the more I think about it, uh, the more I've realized that like that has gotten us through. I haven't given it enough credit for yeah. getting us through really hard times of yes. the fact that we laugh mm-hmm. at the same memes or whatever. It's like one of the most important things. Like comedy really and humor is. and laughter is the one of the most important deal. things in life. Like I put it up with like music, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like, And that is the one consistency in all of the marriages that I really admire and look at is they all just like laugh like y'all like whether it's you and Jenny, you and Lace, like y'all just laugh together all the time. And I'm like, if I don't get that, then like I would rather stay single because it's pretty great down here. But like, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I will say with the laughing piece too, some of that also grows together. Mm. You know, when you're talking about movies and memes, like you're, you're, I, my one challenge to the humor piece would be like, yes, I agree with you. Like, that was one of my things. Like, when I, when I was like, all right, what do I want out of a woman? I was like, I had a longer list in the beginning. And then I was like, you know what? I want them to love Jesus. Of course, I want to be attracted to them. And I want to laugh hard. Like, those are like kind of my big three. And I was like, when I'm around that, and maybe a fourth one was like, I want to see what they're like with their friends. But I will say like, the longer time you, your humor grows together as well. Yeah. So like you do need it up front, but I'm like, if you're not laughing 85% of the time, if you're laughing, like if you feel yourself that there's a humor element there that also grows together. Right. But it's not, it's not just like, do we laugh at the same movies? It's like, can we play off of each totally. other and like do bits yeah. and like banter, yeah, yeah. you know, kind of thing. So For sure. yeah, you definitely yeah, don't. Yeah. I think one thing that would be hard to grow out of, although it's possible, 
um, is that that thing where like you tell a story that makes you laugh and they're just like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, like if they can't laugh sure. with you, that's very yeah. true. You know, yes. I think that is a thing that would be tough to grow to yes. grow out of. But I would say, you know, even going back to why that part's important of growing together, yeah, is because again, you know, out of the hundreds of couples that I've sat with, so often they'll be like, we used to laugh together so much. You know, so like the humor thing is important mm-hmm. to like the vitality of a of a relationship, but it's actually one of the also the first things to go when everything else is unhealthy. Yeah. You know, and so mm-hmm. and some of that is well, fine. great. I'll use that as a as a flag. <laughs> like, okay, things are starting to go downhill. We gotta. That's true. Let's go to counseling. It can be an indicator. Yeah, for sure. The way to keep that from happening, I think, though, is this idea of I'm happy because it makes you happy. You know, like you, I think that's a thing you learn. Like I've had to learn that. And like people in my life, like if I start talking about some weird thing, the, you know, pro wrestling or comics or whatever, like it used to be I had to be in a relationship dating or otherwise with people who liked the weird music I liked, liked the stuff I liked. And then what I learned as I grew and that Jenny and I learned together was that like um, if I was a single man right now, I would not be that amped on Disney World or Disney <laughs> content. Right. Um, there's some stuff that I like, but. But being with her and watching her get joy from it has made me more joy, like has made me like it, (laughs) you know. So it's that ability in a partner to definitely laugh together, but also to have the emotional maturity of saying like, this makes me happy because it makes you happy. Mm -hmm. If you didn't exist, I probably wouldn't be interested in this thing. Mm -hmm. I think that's the thing. Broadway shows would be mine. (laughs) I've had to learn. Actually, I mean, I had to learn. Like, I've seen my kids. Lord knows how many now. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. Deandra, what's one thing that you feel like is still a deal breaker and one thing that you're willing to sacrifice now? Um, something I'm willing to sacrifice going out of order. Something I'm willing to sacrifice is past relationships Mm. because again, I'm 40. Most men are probably divorced hopefully or have kids and though like before I, when I was 26 I'm like I want a single guy he's never been married like I would judge the fact that they're divorced like what did you do and now that I'm seeing a lot of different scenarios and people are in unhappy marriages like I give people a little a little more grace and I understand you would be a unicorn if you are 40 with no kids and never never married. So I'm willing to look past that now, but a deal breaker that it still remains is complacency. Um, just in your life, I can't really handle a man that is just willing to accept things that are handed to him, whether they be negative or not something that they want. I want someone that is a little bit ambitious. He doesn't have to be like have Fortune 500 ambitions, but at least, you know, I want a promotion at my job, so work for it. Or I really want to go travel to New Mexico. Cool. Or like work yeah. up to it. You know, whatever you want, to, whatever your ambitions are, I want someone who is not going to be complacent and just, like my example last time, go to work, come home, watch MSNBC, cook right. dinner, wake up, do it again <laughs> all week. Do you feel like at this point that would translate? into even something you're not interested in like mm-hmm. if you met a guy and he seemed nice and you were attracted to him and you guys started to talk got to talking and he was like i build model airplanes but then you found out that he was like the third ranked model <laughs> airplane would you, honestly would that translate into something that would no i would be all for it tell me more is there a convention we can go to let's okay. go let's he's talk motivated, about it. right? yeah, yeah let's do it together yeah. and I, think, I think that's a big maturity thing too because again when you're in your you know, maybe early 20s, depending on where you're at age. Sometimes there's some people that are 45 and still have this issue. But I know for me, it was like um, there's this line from that movie, High Fidelity. It's not about what you're like. It's about what you like. 
Like it's about like we have to yeah. like the same things. And I think yeah. one thing that maybe people listening that are younger and dating and like trying to figure out what it is to grow up is is that thing of like we don't need to like the same bands. She doesn't need to like video games. He doesn't need to like right. Downton Abbey. Whatever I'm being, right. you know, <laughs> judgmental. But um, <laughs> but if they like what they like and they really like it, they're not just sitting there like, Bleh. you know, it's the right. difference between yes. a, a guy who comes home and whatever plays Madden for 10 hours and that's depressing. Or a guy that's like, no, I go to a convention and right. compete playing this video game. Right, like, yeah. <laughs> may not still be what you're looking for, and you may hate video games, but at least that dude is like... But it's a step. Like, right, yeah. This thing you're that, passionate you're like, about it. something, and right. that's important. Right, yeah. yeah that's I all agree. I need. That's Definitely good. agree. We could have a video game conversation maybe at another time. <laughs> yeah, eSports, my dude. Don't, There's a difference between video don't, games and eSports. Don't come for video games, John. I... <laughs> oh, man. Well, thanks, ladies, for no joining problem. us. No problem. This was... Anytime. Let, any any time, literally yes. any time. Any time, <laughs> I'm available every Thursday. I'm clearing my schedule. Careful what you what you wish for. <laughs> um, and thanks to everybody out there for listening. If you have quips, quotes, questions, or comments, you can email them to stay curious at hillcityrva.com. Make sure to rate and review us um, and share the episode so others can get in on the conversation. And until next time, remember as always to stay curious. curious.